I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot to record group A this week. It was, I'm so sad about it. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, great question. If anybody else wants to, to answer how they're kind of studying, um, Libby says that she tries to listen and follow along with him, um, with Avraham, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, I, I tell you, the, the literary message of Isaiah is where I've really found a lot of great nuggets because um, that's the, the exact structure that I've been trying to, to format this class off of was the, the bifid. And so um, taking the, the ruin and rebirth, etc. And he has a chapter just on that. Um, because the analytical commentary is kind of a, the whole enchilada. And sometimes that's a little bit for my brain to, to process. And so this literary message one, um, Regretfully, it doesn't have an audio version of it, but um, reading through that chapter was uh, very helpful each week as I, I try to come up with things to kind of discuss or learn or um, uh, things like that. Like the, the exercise we're doing tonight is kind of uh, from that book. Um, and Kathy Barton says that I listen to Avraham and take notes. So yeah. <clears throat> I feel like when I listen to Avraham and try to take notes, it's just so, uh, it, I, I don't know. I feel like, like overwhelming. It is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's a lot to take in because there's so many new like concepts. And then uh, what I found when I first tried to jump into the actual scriptures of Isaiah was, whoa, I am not seeing what Avraham's seeing. Like, how do I pull that from that? Like, how is he getting to that conclusion, et cetera? And so, um, yeah, it, it, it's a, a daunting task. I can see why uh, Avraham is always telling people to um, make sure you put in a lot of effort and stuff or else you're, you're never going to get it. It's like, oh my gosh, it's so hard though. <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Um, not that I am really understanding a whole lot, but for me, I just listen to the chapters over and over again. So I'll, whatever the reading is, I'll just listen to it and then I'll restart it. And then I'll like, just try to listen to each chapter. And I'm not um, diving in nearly as much because I have a lot going on right now, but I still wanted to be involved in the book club and try and gain some, some things out of it. And so y'all have just kind of been like a supplement for my, at least I understand, you know, kind of understand what's going on. So that's what's worked for me. It's not, um, I, after you saying that about his commentary about, you know, putting a lot of effort, I feel kind of shameful that I've even saying that, but at least I'm trying. So. Yeah, because I mean, everybody has lots of stuff on, on your plate, etc. There's many times that I show up to group A on Sunday nights and I haven't even read like half of it. I'm like, well, we're just going to dive in and hopefully the spirit takes over because I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Sarah, are you listening to Avraham? Or are you just listening to the chapter? I just listened to the chapter on the church's um, thing. Actually, when you said that you kind of felt overwhelmed, I went on his website and I was so, it is so incredible, but I was like, whoa, so much information. And I was I'm really confused at first why it was because I was trying to follow along in my scriptures and then like on my paper scriptures and then I was trying to listen to him and I was like oh wait this isn't the same so 
Uh It was, it ended up being really confusing, but I absolutely loved the website. It just is definitely something that you have to devote, like, you know, just that to. So I wasn't really in a position where I could do that right now, but it's definitely something I want to dive into. But yeah, I'm just listening to the churches. And then I just, if there's a verse or excuse me, a chapter that kind of, I don't understand, or I'm just kind of wanting to get more out of it. I just listen to it over, like I listen to it and then put it back and listen to it. And I've been doing that with my Book of Mormon studies too, like where I'll spend an entire day on one chapter, just redoing it. And it's, it has really opened my scriptures understanding. It's been really good for me. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, Something popped in my head, but now I've lost it. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> um, oh, uh, just about the, uh, the the website and everything. Like, yeah, the, the first time uh, somebody recommended that we do Isaiah Decoded and et cetera. So I was kind of checking it out because I'd heard some stuff about Avraham before, but I, you know, I just was looking through the website and I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much information here. But whoa it's like it's kind of like my first experience with jesus the christ by talmage it was like i need a dictionary just to understand the 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 synopsis or the the brief overview kind of thing i i don't even know where i'm at i'm in a foreign land here and so uh yeah it what really helped me was um buying avraham's flashcards it's a a deck of 150 flashcards and going through those all the time uh, learning those key concepts, and then the uh, little tiny book Isaiah Made Simpler or something like that. I can't remember, but it's from Avraham, and it goes through some different like homework exercises to kind of start um, doing uh, word searches and, and things like that through the book, and I found that that really helped kind of jumpstart me academically so that I could like learn the language, and now I can like try to somewhat muddle through the actual verses kind of thing because just diving into the verses i'm way confused all the time (laughs) and so yeah listening to to commentaries but um putting in the effort to actually do kind of the 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 literal homework that that he gives in in some of his books um i found those very helpful and those flashcards but um i appreciate everyone sharing it's i don't know it's good to learn from other people right yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm excited to, to see how, how everybody else is, is studying and, and commenting on it. Um, so just a possible tidbit, I, I've started working with the Isaiah Institute on some projects and it possibility that we might be able to get Avraham on one of our Zoom nights um, sometime later this year. He's kind of busy right now, but uh, he said he would love to. So We'll see. I'll be meeting with him in a couple months here and we'll see if we can drum up something. But I, I don't know how we can tackle all of Isaiah in like an hour or two. Uh, we might have to just kind of narrow it down to like a specific topic or, or category um, and and try to flesh out some different questions or something on that. I don't know. But or just let him talk about what he wants to talk about. Uh-huh. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that would be just amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, um, let's go ahead and kind of start in with chaos and creation. So 
in the bifid structure, we've went through ruin and rebirth, and then we went through punish or uh, uh, rebellion and compliance, and now we're in uh, punishment and deliverance. And the second part is kind of dovetailing off of the the first half of the bifid structure, but um, this one brings uh, some new uh, key figures in. So we, we talked somewhat about the Davidic servant last time. Uh, he is introduced in the first half and the other three, the warrior figure, the suffering servant figure and the um, Cyrus figure are all introduced only in the second half. And so they are intermingled in this whole creation and chaos uh, narrative. So I've pulled up a list of creation keywords and chaos keywords that occur in the book of Isaiah. Um, I think most of them just from within these chapters, but they, they repeated uh, many times throughout the, the book. Um, and, and I have difficulty like even phrasing this question, but what I want to try to get at is let's think of different creation accounts. Um, so we have the, the obvious creation account where we're very familiar with it in the temple. Um, but what, when else does the Lord create things using any of these kind of words that, that are here in the left-hand column? Uh, anytime that he raises up or regenerates, creates, endows, appoints, guides. Um, any other kind of creation stories come to mind when you kind of look over that list? Um, I was thinking about all the name changes, like Abraham and um, Sarah, um, Jacob to Israel. Who else? We have several others, don't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, uh, that's one of those uh, creation keywords. Anytime that a new name is given or a new purpose, a new identity, a new mission to perform. Um, yeah, that that naming is is huge in, in creation. And so, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, did, was it with you guys we were just talking about? Was that last week about Nephi and how when he asked to have see what his father saw, how it changed him? I don't remember if that was with you guys. Yeah, I can't remember if it was with you guys or where I heard that, but how that changed him and turned his heart. And so that would have been a creation of Nephi, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. By having seen that, like anytime you have a dream and a vision or a vision like that, like, um, um, oh shoot, Joseph of Egypt, when he had the dreams and he had multiple different, well, he had the dreams and then the interpretation of dreams, but he was, he was changed. Um, Nephi was changed. Joseph Smith was changed, right? Mm -hmm. So those are all things that happen that change us and create. Yeah, for sure. So um, are we talking about just any, anything that? Yeah. Anything that, that is created or recreated in any way. I mean, I can think of a lot of things actually. Um, you know, the re restoration of the gospel is, is one thing. And, uh, you know, the savior creating his quorum of apostles when he was on the earth and, and, uh, you know, succoring the afflicted with all of his miracles and healings that he did. And 
I mean, there's countless things really when you mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah. And so, uh, uh -huh. oh, oh yeah, go for it. I was just thinking of Moses and all the different stories where people are let out um, and where he creates a way or um, provides a way, saves, um, but just like the parting of the Red Sea, he creates an, a new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so um, kind of looking at the difference between these two columns, that creation is, is fostered from the chaos. That creation doesn't just happen ex nihilo, like out of nothingness, but it's because there is chaos that exists. And so there is a creation that reorganizes or restructures that chaos into something, a higher, <clears throat> a higher level of it or um, a, a new purpose in it. Um, a repurposing uh, of, of sorts. And so um, that, that principle here that Isaiah is pointing out throughout these chapters is that God isn't just creating some end time scenario out of the blue that's never happened before. What has been shall be. And so what he's doing is masterfully through um, this, this great chiasm and um, the literary structures that he's pulling together are showing that he is creating an end time servant in order to both punish and deliver his people based upon their choices and their actions in the end time. And so because the end time servant, this Davidic servant, um, has never existed in, in its fullness before, he has to resort to lots of metaphor and, and composites in order to, to show that um, this chaos that the natural man has created here on earth will be recreated in, in an end time servant. And so um, uh, anyway, we're just kind of looking at, at some of these different key terms here and don't get dizzy. I'm gonna scroll really fast up to the top. <laughs> so, in chapters 41 through 46, there's this huge chiasm. I mean, it, it's massive when you, when you really take a look at it. Um, it goes A through O, and then back down the, the chiastic structure O through A. And he starts introducing these key um, ideas and principles that he's going to be creating an end time servant with and so uh, he already presented in the first half of the Bifid structure, the Davidic um, part of it, but there's three other parts that are gonna come into play tonight throughout here. Um, so in this structure, I've highlighted in white, the creation motifs and in black, the chaos motifs. And so it, goes back and forth every single step of this chiasm. Good, bad, good, bad. Chaos creation, chaos creation. Um, until it reaches its apex and then it reverses itself. So I want to go through and we're just going to uh, kind of read um, both of the A's side by side, both of the B's side by side, and just kind of talk about what are some of these patterns that are being presented here as he's creating the this servant. Um, so 
by a quick show of hands, who would be, um, <laughs> I just barely seen the chat because I can't see it when, when we're going there. This chaos list sounds like 2021. Yep, seriously. <laughs> um, but anyway, volunteers to, to read that I can just kind of call on uh, throughout the, the night. Uh, if you raise your hand or, or send an emoji kind of thing. Okay, Alethea and Cindy. All right, and Libby, all right. And I'll go back to the shared screen. Okay, so Alethea, would you read for us, um, the, the stuff in blue is just kind of the, the, the topic or whatever, but just the, the scriptures that are underneath both of the blue sections. Who has raised up righteousness from the east, calling him to the place of his foot? Who has delivered nations to him? I foretell the end from the beginning, from ancient times things not yet done. I speak and my purposes take effect. I accomplish all my will. I summon a bird of prey from the east, from a distant land, the man who performs my counsel. What I have spoken, I bring to pass. What I have planned, I do. Hear me, you stubborn hearted, who are far from righteousness. I will grant deliverance in Zion and to Israel my glory. All right, so I've kept that same uh, color structure. So these are the good ones. Um, the, the A is in, in white here. So he, he's asking a question. He's posing the question to Israel. And um, I, if you've watched the Bible Project video, um, where uh, he goes through kind of the, the whole structure of, of all 66 chapters of Isaiah. Um, this section that we're studying tonight is the great trial, where in chapter 40, God brings them out of Babylonian exile and finally sets them free through the, the Cyrus figure. And chapters 41 through 47 Israel puts God on trial saying, it wasn't you that delivered us. It was our, our idols, our, our gods of the Babylonians. Those are the ones that actually brought us out. God didn't really have a part in it. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. And God keeps telling him, hey, it, <laughs> are you serious? It was me. I did that for you. What, what are you talking about here? And so we'll see kind of that chaos creation motif uh, played out through the, the entire thing as well. As they're putting God on trial, he's telling them, no, I have created you. I have given you purpose. I have breathed life into your nostrils kind of a thing. And so uh, you'll see that God's posting lots of questions um, back to the people. So here he starts off, who has raised up righteousness from the East? Like, that's me. <laughs> I tell you, uh, I foretell the end from the beginning, from ancient times. I'm the one that does all of this kind of thing. I, I think that this is such an amazing block of scripture, but just reading through it, I wouldn't have gotten it without some some good training wills from, from Avraham and, and et cetera. Um, but anyway, getting into the, the crux of this, why, what's the purpose of raising righteousness from the East? What What symbolism, what metaphors, what kind of things have you guys come up with or, or what can we take from, from this? Why is righteousness rising up from the East? 
I thought I thought when uh, when he used the word righteousness, that meant the end time servant. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's a rhetorical device that he uses throughout the entire text. Righteousness always means the the end time servant there. And so he's raising up an end time servant from the east. Where is east? I mean, we have this sphere globe that we're sitting on. What is the east in a Hebrew context? <laughs> it's us, the United States. It's us. We're east. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're looking in Jerusalem and... Um, from uh, symbolism, uh, Hebrews always position themselves in Jerusalem and face east. They face the presence of God. And so when they're looking east, it's, it's not, you know, to, to Asia, China, or anything. They're looking beyond, over to the Garden of Eden, to God's presence. And uh, everything that comes from the east, the sun rising, the east wind, uh, anything that comes from God's presence is is there in the East, and so this is this is huge. Who has raised up righteousness? Who's raised up the end time servant from the East, calling him to the place of his foot? That's me. I've done this for you, and I will grant deliverance in Zion and to Israel my glory. I think these are some amazing verses that bookend this whole chiasm here. Um, it's kind of the Alpha and Omega principle. Whoops, sorry. That, that he's playing out here in, in a huge way. Um, so let's move on to the second part. So this is B, and so this is going to be the chaos motif here. Um, Cindy, would you read these verses for us? Oh, sorry, you're muted. So sorry about that. <laughs> Okay, toppled their rulers, rendering them as dust to his sword, as driven stubble to his bow. I will make of you a sharp toothed threshing sledge of new design, full of spikes. You shall thresh mountains to dust and make cha chaff of hills. I speak not in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I do not ask Jacob's offspring to seek me amid chaos. I, Jehovah, tell righteousness and am forthright of speech. Gather yourselves and come. Draw near, all you fugitives of the nations. They who carried about their wooden idols and prayed to gods that could not save them were caught unawares. Bell slumps down. Nebo is stooped over. Their idols are loaded upon beasts and cattle. The images you bore aloft are piled as burdens on weary animals. Such gods altogether sag and bow down, unable to rescue their burden. They themselves go into captivity. Hear me, O house of Jacob, and all you remnant of the house of Israel who have been, been a load on me since birth, borne up by me from the womb. Even to your old age, I am present, and I can't see the rest of it because your picture's in the way. <laughs> oh, there <you> go. <laughs> okay, there you go. Till you turn gray, it is I who sustain you. It is I who made you, and I who bear you up. It is I who carry and rescue you. So yeah, we have quite the uh, 
the words being accused at, at Israel here, don't we? So, I mean, what has Israel's downfall always been and always will be? It's, it's idolatry. For some reason, that's just the natural man tendency of God's chosen people. They always turn idolatrous. And, and it then so as it was, so shall it be. Uh, us in the last days, we're at risk of not recognizing the Savior or even this servant when he comes on the scene if we're stuck in our idolatrous ways. Um, uh, we're, we're at risk of putting God on the same exact trial that, that these Israelites are when they came out of Babylon. Um, it, yeah, anyway, there's, there's, there's so much stuff here. Um, let's see. Oh, Mr. Dust. What was the thing that I had highlighted? I have it in my other notes, but I don't have it here right in front of my face. But anyway, any comments on, on that uh, part of the, the chiasm here? You think he ever gets tired of talking because he says all this, <laughs> but it doesn't change their mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it falls on deaf ears so much of the time, especially to the people as a whole. You know, there, there might be a few that, that come out of this going, oh, okay, we'll get it, we'll repent kind of thing. But yeah. That, that must think, be so hard. <laughs> I think that line is interesting. Such gods altogether sag and bow down, unable to rescue their burden. They themselves go into captivity. So all these things that we're worshiping and idolizing that we think, you know, are so great. In, in the end, they will run and hide. Yeah. You know, they have no, no ability or desire or intention to help. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and it's interesting you know coming from uh abraham and studying his life and everything that account of when uh he put the axe in the idol's hand and blamed it on them well well it was him it wasn't me <laughs> he's the one that tore down the idols kind of thing i think that that's a, a interesting little contrast to to this verse that isaiah is saying here i hope we're different I hope we listen. <laughs> yep. So when when it says their idols are loaded upon beasts and cattle, the images you bore aloft are piled as burdens on weary animals. Does that, I don't know, to me, that means that that we'll have a lot of idols, like piled high mm -hmm. worth of idols. Is that what that means to you guys? I don't know. That just kind of is what I see. Yeah definitely seems like it and um so what do cattle represent in symbolism uh, what what would a hebrew look at a cattle and immediately associate so we're looking at like clean animals right so uh beasts and cattle here represent actual covenant people it's not the gentiles or you know it's not a donkey being represented but it, it's a, a covenant people so it's the covenant people of the end time are going to have idols loaded upon them and, and bore aloft. They're piled as burdens on weary animals. They, they sometimes, like how many of us five years ago knew that, that we were like idolatrous? I, I didn't know. That was very new for me last year going, oh, when the realization finally came, 
and, and God was telling me how to, to flee Babylon and how to get rid of idolatry in my life, I was like, holy cow, I didn't even know that I was weary. I didn't know that I was bowed down and sagging because of the mm-hmm. idolatry, you know? Like, I, I, I think that that's kind of pointing at, at that fact as well, too, in a way. I thought that line was interesting as well. It made me just think like, when we are asked to flee, if we're not gonna have cattle and beasts to carry all of our idols, so how many will not be able to to go? Yeah, exactly. I I think today it's, I mean, they could make idols to worship, but I think today we just have so much you just look at people and they're just like numb they work and then they idol worship that's it yeah exactly they they get home from work to just go idol worship i i love how you put that yeah and and i guess they think it's like vegging relaxation uh i just need to disconnect yeah and and that's i don't know my husband and I, I've kind of, I think I'm going in a descent phase right now. I don't know if I'm going to end up ascending, but, (laughs) but we went to dinner and I just said, I'm just so tired of Babylon. I just feel so heavy. I'm just tired. Mm -hmm. And you just, I don't know. And I can't, I mean, like I say that, but I have to put myself in that same category too. Right. Of still idol worshiping in a, in a way and being a part of Babylon. I hope I'm leaving. I hope I'm not idol worshiping. I hope I'm getting better, but sometimes it just feels like oh, I'm not Abraham. I don't think I'll ever be good enough. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> yeah. Ask my mom. She, she's always telling me the exact same story. Like, Oh my gosh, does it ever get any easier? Are we ever going to be actually free from, from some of this? Uh, it's such a struggle to, to actually flee Babylon, uh, whether yourself or, or just those around you too. And like, it's just this never ending cycle. The other thing that I keep, I've told my husband the last couple of days is I just am tired of this play that we're in called life, but there's no script. And so it's always a surprise. It's always, I'm just, I'm just tired of this, of this play. Like, like really none of this is real. It's all been created for us, right? As a, as a test, as a, how will we react? What will we do? And I'm, I'm just tired of the play. I just want the ending to come. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So yeah, let's go Sarah Irving and then uh, Kathy. Um, I, to- I wasn't going to say anything about that, but you'd mentioned, I totally agree with that whole play thing. I sometimes I'm like, this must be really entertaining for God to just hopefully one day we'll get to watch it all and entertain ourselves as well. But um, one thing I was thinking as far as you know, mentioning that you're so tired, I'm feeling that same way. And I honestly think we all have that same, like just exhaustion of this world because we all want to leave. Like we're here on this book club because we all have that same desire to, to ascend and to be able to overcome this world. But, you know, and I often feel those same thoughts of like defeat and kind of like, I try so hard and I'm left feeling like I haven't accomplished anything or that, you know, like 
the other day I fasted uh, on Sunday and then kind of like got angry at a child and I thought well what the heck you know here I am trying so hard to be different and and overcome the natural man but my point is, is I really do think as you were talking I really do think that the Lord really does appreciate and recognize effort and that that desire I think you know when he says that he knows the desires of our heart I think we shouldn't play that down and we should really um hold that to him that he really will give us that grace because of our desires of our heart. And so even when we're falling short and feeling like this Babylon is winning, but we're trying so hard to leave, but we have to still live here. And we, you know, we're kind of the residue is on us. I think because we don't want the residue on us, that's where it's the difference. And so that's the thing that kind of keeps me going is it's like, well, you know, it's easy to say that to you. It might be a little harder to say that to myself, but those are my thoughts on, on that. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Let's go with Kathy. Um, I have to agree with both of you. <laughs> those are awesome comments. Um, I just wanted to say we, sh we also kind of need to give ourselves a little credit. Like the other day I was at the pool with Libby and there was this girl there who had just had this awesome body and she was just like, like amazing looking body. And I just looked at her and went Babylon. Like I wasn't even like, I, <laughs> I was like dumbfounded at Babylon that's all I could say and I looked at Libby and I said Babylon and it wasn't even I'm like I couldn't have done that I wouldn't have even thought anything about that a few years ago I would have thought wow I wish I was like that <laughs> but now I'm just like all I see is Babylon I look at the girls so many people their idols are their bodies so many like it's all about the show and it's such heavy energy to me and um I'm just so thankful to be where I am and not still in that wanting to be that like to do you know what I'm am I making mm -hmm. sense yeah just even the desire the to desire and the fakeness of everything looks so fake to me that like they're the women's faces and their bodies and everything looks plastic and it's just like gross to me it's it's actually changed my heart enough it looks gross and I don't even mean it to be mean it doesn't look good it looks terrible mm -hmm. It looks and like an idol, like a fake idol, right? It, do it does. It looks like an idol. And I, and I actually feel sorry for him. I actually am like, oh, that's so sad. Like, that's not pretty, honey. That's not pretty. But um, I feel the same way. Like, I'm just ready for this game to be. <laughs> Can we be done with Monopoly? This is a really long game. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the scary thing is, I think we got a lot more to go before we're done. And it's going to feel heavier. Yeah. It's going to get heavier. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's awesome. Or Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good one. Though. <laughs> we, got, we got each other, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, exactly. You know, just like with one of my big takeaways from Isaiah is that, you know, the, the good always equals the bad, you know, there, there's an equal and opposite and um, this, this great balance. Um, as soon as 
Babylon starts ramping up, it's because um, Zion is, is ramping up as well. And sometimes Satan is just winning those daily battles with us in our, our struggles and, and just our, um, our long suffering, I, I think really takes a toll because it, it, it is such a, a daunting process. Um, there's, there's lots of humiliations and, you know, a normal human can only handle so much humiliation before they just like, oh my gosh, I, I'm just ready to not do that anymore kind of thing. You know, it does it ever get better. Does it ever get easier? Um, but it, and it doesn't matter how many times we fall down. It's what counts is how many times we have a desire to pick ourselves up or be picked up. Um, as long as we can still cry out for help, as long as we can still minister to others and um, just overcome the, the world, yeah, we might get smacked down. We might have to go through some awful trials like Job or, or Joseph Smith or, you know, deep waters is what we're wanting to swim. But, but the, the resilience to, to keep trying, to keep at least wanting um, the, the plan to to come to fruition kind of thing is it, it's a hard battle <laughs> i hear you but i you know like like Levi said i'm glad we're all here trying to uh, to do it together it's always easier in a group because um like me and my mom like i we always say you know we're we're best buds we we've kind of got this buddy system worked out when she's having a bad day i know i'm having a bad day and so we can just like bounce off each other and and work through things um we i don't know how anybody does it without uh, a good buddy system in, in some way, shape or form. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point. Uh, but yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. It's, it's, it's a very hard process, but we're promised that it's worth it. So that's, that's hopeful right there. <laughs> hey, I just wanted to add um, today. I, um, my husband's a ward missionary um, leader and I'm in release society and kind of over the um, portion of the missionaries. And so the sisters asked me all the time to, to help them with lessons and stuff. And today I had the most amazing experience with an investigator. He, he was self-referral and he's about 28 and he was all tatted up and he is a recovering drug, drug addict for like, I think three years. He lived in Ohio and moved to Texas and just wanted a fresh start. And he was so incredibly like ready to hear the gospel. It was so amazing to see how the Lord really is like preparing some of his, like you could tell he was a very choice spirit that just experienced hardship, but because of his life experiences, he will make such an amazing member. And I, I just look at him and I know instantly that he's going to be baptized. It's just a matter of when, but it was just so exciting to me to be like, this is, these are the miracles that we're going to start seeing is and if we're in the right place and we take advantage of sharing the gospel, I really believe that those people who are ready to hear it, who are going to be amazing, you know, end time servants are, are ready. And, um, you know, sometimes we think it's just amongst members of the church, but you guys, they, there are many who are not members yet who are going to be a huge um, benefit to these end times. And, um, and just was so excited afterwards. I was like, oh man, I, I didn't get to serve a mission, but I get a little taste of it every time I experience where somebody's ready to hear the gospel. And the one thing I asked him is, what are you looking for? And he's like, 
I'm just looking for peace. And I thought, wow, you know, here he is going to all these different churches and he can't find that peace. And I just love that he's going to be able to find it here. So mm-hmm. anyways, it was exciting to, to see that, you know, God's working to, to touch the lives of those who have not heard the gospel yet. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so I pulled up the, uh, chapter list for this is in Avraham's book called the last days but he also pulled all of this chapter out and put it in its own book called modern idolatry and the end of the world and um anyway just kind of goes through lots of uh, very eye-opening aspects to each of those categories and how they uh, lend themselves to to modern idolatry i'm not going to like go over all of them because we're almost out of time again but um uh just lost my screen share um let's see so let's dive into this next uh couple uh parts here um libby would you mind reading those for us yep okay when the poor and needy require water and there is none and their tongues become parched with thirst, I, Jehovah, will answer their want. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up streams in barren hill country, springs in the midst of the plains. I will turn the desert into lakes, parched lands into fountains of water. I will bring cedars and acacias, I think, myrtles and oleasters in the wilderness. I will place cypresses, elms, and box trees in the steeps that all may see it and know, consider it, and perceive that Jehovah's hand did this that the Holy One of Israel created it. But Israel is saved by Jehovah with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be dismayed or put to shame or put to shame worlds without end. For thus says Jehovah who created the heavens, the God who formed the earth, who made it secure and organized it, not to remain a chaotic waste, but designed it to be inhabited. I am Jehovah, there is none other. Yes, thank you. So, I mean, we're, we're going through our drought right now. Who knows how long it's going to last or anything. But, but look at, at some of these promises and some of the, the foreshadowing that, that Jehovah is putting forth here. Uh, he's not going to forsake these things. Um, when the poor and needy require water, there is none. Their tongues become parched with thirst. I, Jehovah, will answer their want sometimes we have to get to a point of just utter desperation when we can finally abandon all hopes of our idols producing our miracles or our own hands producing the miracles that we finally turn to Jehovah and Jehovah answers our want. Um, I think that that's such a a powerful promise that, that comes through these passages of Isaiah here. Um, He's not even necessarily having his servant do this it's him jehovah doing it himself here in uh this and not only that but but bringing forth such abundance out of that um, that parched uh, existence there yeah alethea so i you know as this was being read i was thinking isn't that what we were just saying don't we all feel poor and needy and we require water because we're parched of of the spirit. I mean, we have the spirit, but we're in Babylon, mm-hmm. you know, that we feel barren and we just feel like we're in a desert and 
in this wilderness. I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like that's also um, not literal, a metaphor, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a spiritual and that's kind of like what we're going through in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now we're, we're experiencing it. Yeah, thank you. Um, let's see, Mother, would you go ahead and read these ones? Present your case, says Jehovah. Submit your evidence, says the King of Jacob. Let them come forward and recount to us their prophecies of events heretofore. What were they? Tell us that we may examine them and know whether they were fulfilled or predict the future for us. Tell us of the events to come hereafter so that we may know you are gods. Perform something good or evil at which we will be dazzled and all stand in awe. It is clear you are of no account that your works amount to nothing. Whoever accepts you is himself an abomination. As one, the makers of inventions retired in disgrace, utterly dismayed and embarrassed. Yeah, this is <laughs> some some hurtful things here. Uh, so if if we were actually in a courtroom and we were putting the Lord on trial and stuff, I mean, these are some railing accusations against the Lord. You know, uh, proof prove you're a God, dazzle us, show us something good, you know, like seekers of signs, uh, an idolatrous um, generation that, that seeks after a sign uh, such as, as this. I think these are, are very telling because how much of our world basically says that in, in a nutshell to God, to the church, to, to us as members, you know, dazzle us, show us that you got something then we'll believe um but it reminds me of that talk by president oaks i think it was the last conference or maybe the one before can't remember but anyway he's talking to that woman and she says well what has christ done for me (laughs) yeah and then he goes on to explain all that christ has done (laughs) or at least some of the things i don't know if you could ever list all the things yeah. Yeah, Alethea. Um, can you hear? Okay. Uh, one of the things uh, also I had thought of on your comment on the last one, and I couldn't remember what it was, but um, when you said we have to learn to rely on the Lord for everything and not ourselves, is that not one of the paradoxes? Because even Adam was told, you have to live by the sweat of your brow, right? So the Lord doesn't like idle people. And the paradox is that we have to work, 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 and we have to rely on ourselves. But in relying on ourselves, we also have to rely on the Lord. And sometimes that's a really hard time to learn when to rely on the Lord and when to rely on ourselves. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that I've mastered that in any way, shape or form. I mean, that is, that is super hard because, you know, like, you know, take no thought of purse or script, you know, consider the lilies of the field, how they turn like the Lord provides yet. Yeah. 
sweating your brow. You need to work hard. You need to not be just a, a couch potato kind of thing. You need to not be idolatrous. I mean, it's it's a hard balance to to achieve. Of okay, when do I let the Lord take over? But sometimes it, it comes down. I mean, in in my life, especially in the past little while, it's like when I literally have exhausted all of my own efforts, that's when my heart fully turns to the Lord with full faith, with full trust that he will deliver. Whereas sometimes, unless there's that desperation, sometimes my natural man just doesn't go there first. And, and it's just this hard uh, balance to achieve there. Yeah, Sarah. So something that I've learned and I'm trying and I feel like it, it has helped is, you know, that's what I think your daily prayers are for, right? To ha- always have a prayer in your heart and to start your, di- your morning with prayers and end with prayers is because, and then throughout the day, it's kind of like you're praying to ask him to guide you to, to do your work. But at the same time, you're relying on him to give you those imp- um, those impressions and th- the things that you should be doing. And I think that's what it means is yes, we're supposed to work, but we're supposed to work alongside with him. And so when we feel like something we're doing needs to be set aside, you know, that's where we're taking the Lord with us. Or when we feel like, Hey, this needs to be taken care of rather than this. Right. So we're listening to those. It's like that ebb and flow of being constantly guided. I think that's what he means when he says work, but rely on me. Right. So those are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, L. Yeah, I always had trouble when they talked about in church self-reliance because I thought, how do you rely on the Lord, but then self-reliance? And I found the best definition, and I'm not sure where I found it, and it made more sense to me that way. It says, what is self-reliance? A process by which we learn to turn to the Lord and receive his guidance, strength, and intervention as we get to work to meet our spiritual, temporal needs and challenges of life. I thought that was the best definition of self-reliance. It's learning to rely on God, but doing, having him give us the guidance and strength to do what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um. So I want to make sure that we at least get to some of the <laughs> this end time servant prophecy here um, before we head out for the night. Um, so here in E, it says that I have raised up one from the north who calls on my name, who shall come forth from the direction of sunrise. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I with my hand suspend the heavens, appointing all their host. It is I who rightfully raise him up who facilitate his every step, he will rebuild my city and set my set free my exiles without price or bribe, says Jehovah of hosts. So here in the first half of the chiasm is presented this warrior figure, one of the, the four different types here. And it's contrasted in the second half with a Cyrus figure who um, will, will set free the, the exiles. Um, a warrior who comes from the north is, is kind of pulling imagery out of those lost 10 tribes that are uh, going to be the, the warriors that help free us from the Antichrist in the end times. Um, 
and then this the Cyrus figure who helps actually rebuild the the city and so um, he's comparing and contrasting these two different figures in history to pull them together in one composite person in the end time. Um, I want to scroll down to this other one where he pulls out the servant, uh, again contrasted with the, the Cyrus figure. It says, my servant whom I sustain, my chosen one in whom I delight, him I have endowed with my spirit. He will dispense justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice to make himself heard in public. Even a bruised reed he will not break. A dim wick he will not stuff out. He will perform the work of justice in the cause of truth. Neither shall he himself grow dim or be bruised until he has brought about justice in the earth. The isles await his law. Thus says Jehovah God, who frames and suspends the heavens, who gives form to the earth and its creatures, the breath of life to the people upon it, spirit to those who walk on it. I, Jehovah, have rightfully called you and will grasp you by the hand. I have created you and appointed you to be a covenant for the people, a light to the nations. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by name. I named you when yet you knew me not. I am Jehovah. There is none other. Apart from me, there is no God. I girded you up when yet you knew me not, that men from where the sun rises to where it sets may know that without me there is nothing, that I am Jehovah, and that there is none other. I fashion light and form darkness. I occasion peace and cause calamity. I, Jehovah, do all these things, rain down from above, O heavens. Let the skies overflow with righteousness. Let the earth receive it and salvation blossom. Let righteousness spring up forthwith. I, Jehovah, create it. And so, um, anyway, just to kind of recapsulate in a nutshell, that we have this, this huge chiasm that, that's presented in, in chapters 41 through 46 to help us round out um, this composite figure of the end time servant. Um, it's prophesied that this end time servant will be the great winnowing that um, separates the, the, the wheat from the, the chaff in the church. And um, if we fail to, to recognize him when he appears on the scene, that's going to be a very difficult position to, to be in. And so Isaiah is trying to help us understand what we are currently going through in the end times and, and what to look forward to through these different composite images, a Davidic figure, a suffering servant figure, a warrior figure, and a Cyrus figure. All of those combined start molding who this, this man will be that is an Elias for Christ uh, before his, his second coming to help prepare and gather his, his sheep that have been scattered. Um, Anyway, I, sorry to kind of pull out teacher mode. I, I just wanted to make sure that we, we got that, that chiastic structure, but I've loved every moment of where we've taken this discussion and uh, really fleshed out some, some good hard topics and, and things. Yeah, Alethea. Okay, you just sounded like you were describing Joseph. Was he not? <laughs> I mean, that was, that was the um, tribute given to him that none none did more for this world save christ mm -hmm. i don't know it just really sounded like you just described joseph mm -hmm. yeah there's there's lots of um imagery and, and things that are pointing there um 
you know, that's definitely not Avraham's uh, opinion or, or stance on things, but I know. Uh, it is of a lot of other people too. So, you know, it, it's up to us to just study it out and, and receive um, that those, those witnesses or, or, or uh, evidences of, of what we need to be looking for. And I certainly wasn't looking for Joseph. I was just listening yeah. and it was like, wait, he's describing Joseph anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But certainly as the prophet of this dispensation, the last dispensation, he's going to have a significant role in gathering Israel and doing all those things, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, what I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but um, he, is the in King Follett sermon? I can't remember. But anyway, he says, would to God, brethren, I could tell you who I am. Uh, if I did, you would uh, kill me here on the spot, like uh, on the stand right now. Um, and call me uh, blasphemous. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, <laughs> who, who knows uh, the full extent of, of what Joseph is and will be doing um, in, in our future, you know, kind of thing. For sure. Any other just kind of last comments, last ideas and and things to, to flesh out it's been such a fun night <laughs> i have so many little notes and stuff that i'm taking and, and absorbing tonight yeah um let's see i have not kept up on the chat very much medical system oh yeah so libby talks about like the medical system and what happened to to faith and miracles yeah uh, that's a huge uh, kind of debate dichotomy thing that, that's going on uh, in these days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if there's no other comments or, or things, uh, we'll, we'll catch everyone next week. Uh, next week, we start the, the apex of the grand chiasm of Isaiah, which is humiliation and exaltation. Um, that, that principle of descent before ascent, uh, we've done the the groundwork the ruin and rebirth and uh, rebellion compliance punishment deliverance um and then comes the the great doctrine and um principles of of how to make it through the end times um that we'll we'll be catching for the next two weeks it's going to be a fun ride there but anyway i will we'll see everyone next week <laughs> have a great week <laughs>